and for many, many years, Colin and Bron, and they're going to be sharing a bit later on uh, about their, a bit about their lives and their work. Um, Colin as a pastor of the church in Alexo with Discipleship Centre and some other things as well. And we're going to end our service in a very special way. So uh, look forward to that and I won't ruin that in advance. Good morning, everybody. It's fantastic, fantastic to be with you. Um, so as Gary said, my wife, uh, Bron, or Bronwyn, and I studied at All Nations now 20 years ago and were placed here as students. Bron used to sit there playing the drums. Uh, well, we used to come to you. And since we graduated, we've been living in Siberia. Um, why are we living there? <laughs> why are we living in Siberia? We're living in Siberia because of a promise God made to a man many thousands of years ago. Um, when we start reading the Bible, the first bit of the Bible we know is about how God created everything, the whole universe. And then very shortly afterwards, we read about sin, about how everything went wrong. And we read about how things were going wrong, sin, and how that's affected our relationships with each other, how it's affected our relationship with God. And then when we reach the 12th chapter of the Bible, we start to read about what God's going to do about it. And I wanted just to read a few verses. God picks one person, and that person is going to be his agent of rescue uh, for the whole of the way through the rest of the Bible. The Lord said to Abram, that's the person he picked, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And now if you go right to the end of the Bible, the very last book of the Bible, there's a man called John who sees this vision of the end of time. And what does he see? He sees every nation and every language worshipping God. And I read a book recently and the author said, can you imagine a conversation between Abraham and God on that day when everybody is worshipping from every nation, from every language, they're worshipping God. What's Abraham going to say to God on that day? And the author said, maybe he's going to say, thank you, God, you kept your promise. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's why we're in Siberia, because we're not yet at that point where all people are able to worship God, because not all peoples, not all languages know about Jesus and about what he's done to beat that problem of sin. Um, can we start showing the pictures? Let me say a little bit about then what we do in Siberia. Um, in order to fulfill or to work with God in fulfilling his promise that he made first of all to Abraham. We're going to see a, a map in a little bit in the Siberian city called Novosibirsk, the big city, one and a half, a million people, and 
It's right in the center of Siberia. It's very cold in the winter, down to minus 40 degrees, and gets very warm in the summer. And there are people living in Siberia who have been living there for hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, much longer than the Russians who moved across into Siberia. And many of those people still have their own culture, their own communities, and even their own languages that have survived. And they live in remote parts of Siberia. And recently we've been working with groups, uh, the gospel has not yet reached them because they live in these remote areas. Uh, the Bible isn't available in their language and they don't know of other Christians. So what we've started to do, uh, both through the work my wife's been doing and the work our church has been doing is helping these people come to know Jesus so that their nations and their languages will one day be represented in heaven. Okay, there's uh, my family. Uh, not the clearest photo, I'm afraid. Uh, next slide, please. This is our church in Novosibirsk that met uh, seven hours ago because of the time difference. They've already finished their service. And it's our church in Novosibirsk. I'm at the front uh, dressed in this thing. I don't normally dress up, but uh, it happened to be a baptism that day. Next slide, please. Good news, our daughter, Emily, was baptized this summer. Just wanted to share that with you. Thank you for all your prayers for her over the years. Mm -hmm. So there we are. This is where we've been working, where this red blob is, right in the south of Siberia. Next slide, please. And it's on the border, you see, with Russia, Kazakhstan, China, and Mongolia. This strange part of the world where four huge countries meet at one point. And just a few slides, we'll look at quickly just so you can see what this area looks like. So there's a cold in the winter, hot in the summer. Some scary roads you have to drive down sometimes. Okay, this is Bron, and these people are translating the Old Testament into one of the local languages. So Bron's working with them, helping the Bron's job is to help the translators who are doing the translation make sure they're sticking very closely to the original text. So Bron knows a Hebrew and Greek, and so she checks what the translators are doing because she understands their local language and makes sure it's faithful to the original language. And so they work as a team, and hopefully in a few years, the Old Testament is going to be finished, and these people will have the whole Bible in their language, the Altai people. Here they are meeting with a... Orthodox priest. Uh, important that the Orthodox Church blesses the work because then the Bible, when it is available, can go into all the Orthodox churches as well as the churches of other denominations. Next slide, please. The next couple of pictures are an interesting, as well as doing a written translation of the Bible, the people who live in this area, the Altai, don't read and write very much. They're used to listening, remembering, and speaking more than reading and writing. So another thing they're doing is called an audio translation of the Bible, where people learn a chunk of the Bible, like a whole chapter, and they retell it, record it, and then that recording becomes available. Nowadays, everybody has a mobile phone, you can download an app, and listen to the Bible uh, in their own language. So that's what she's doing here with this group, and they're reenacting the story in order to remember it better, so that then they can retell it without making any mistakes. 
they go through lots of checking and everything to make sure it's all as close as possible uh, to the original. So that's another project she's been doing in um, two or three of the local languages. And here they are. It's very time consuming. Can you imagine having to basically memorize a chapter of the Bible in order to retell it in chunks and, and record it? Uh, it takes a long time to do, but it's a very effective way of getting the Bible into people's hearts. Uh, it's a remote area that Bron often flies about on these little planes to, to reach the people she's working with. Um, this is in the winter. They could only get to this village in this uh, four-wheel drive ambulance. <laughs> she agreed for the ambulance to take her. Uh -huh. um, these are some pigs living in the village. I don't know why I've put that in. This is one of her teams she's doing the translation with. And what we're finding, these translators, there's no Christians in these villages yet, but uh, the translators obviously have to learn uh, the Bible to do the translation, and um, one or two of them have already come uh, to become Christians through the work. Um, next slide, please. Uh, this is a, a school teacher that Bron's working with um, who's been very supportive of the work. She hasn't yet come to faith. Uh, next slide, please. One more thing she's been doing, um, dubbing children's cartoons so she's got the rights to some cartoons that are told with finger puppets, uh, different Bible stories, and as well as translating the Bible, she's dubbing these cartoons into the local languages. Next. Pretty extreme in the winter. There's some villages uh, they could only visit on this, what do you call it, snowmobile, snow machine, no roads. Next. And there they are. Uh-huh. And often the people in the villages are very poor, uh, this is them bringing, uh, giving a children's Bible to this boy. Right, as I said, some people have started to become Christians through the work. So our church has then got involved, and we've sent these four people down as missionaries down into this area. They agreed to move out there, and they're living there permanently. Uh, back one, please. So this is Natasha, Dima, Alec, and Irina are now living, and they've started a church in one of the villages. And just while we've been here this week, uh, Alec texted me and said, um, another person has come to faith in one of the villages and is talking about wanting to be baptized. So great to pray for these guys. So now they're using <laughs> the scripture that's being translated uh, to reach people and growing this small church. So last slide. This was our first time we baptized two local people um, who'd come to faith, gone through a discipleship course, and we were able to baptize them in this huge lake uh, that you see behind us. So that's how our church is then getting involved uh, with what Bron has been doing. Um, now I'm going to invite uh, Sergei up, who's going to say a little bit about his own story, and hopefully you'll understand a little bit more of the context of our church through his story. Good morning, everybody. It's a big honor and a privilege to be with you this morning and to share our common faith with each other. I'd like to say a little story about how Jesus brought me to himself. When I was a small boy, I was told that God exists and he watches us 
And before you go to sleep, you ought to pray to him. But nobody explained to me who he was. But I understood I wasn't here by accident. But I didn't understand why I was here. And I'd lived as I wanted to. I got to know some bad people. And I had a big crisis in my life. And I lost the meaning of life. I didn't know why I was still alive. And everything seemed to me just pointless. And then I started uh, to think seriously about God, and I called out to God for the first time. I said to God, if you exist, if you are alive, you need to change something in my life. Uh, and so I started to pray to him. And then an hour later, after praying this prayer, uh, a friend of mine came to my house. And in his hand, he had a New Testament. And he told me that I needed Jesus. He suggested that I come to a church. And so he said, you should come to this church, and in this church there's a special place uh, where they work with people with particular problems. What kind of problems? People who are addicted either to drugs or to alcohol or to gambling. And they suggested that I stay there. Uh, and uh, I went there and said, well, what am I going to do there? What happens in the center? They say, you just stay here and you'll read the Bible. They gave me a Bible to read. And they said, read the New Testament. I read through the New Testament quickly. And I said, I've done that, read it. And my first question was, why do the same stories get repeated four times at the beginning? I don't under, didn't understand why this was. I didn't understand really what I was reading. They told me, just keep reading, keep reading. I said, okay. And once when I was reading through the Gospel of Luke, I got to the eighth chapter. when Jesus left the crowds whom he was teaching and for the sake of one person he went off across the sea. Uh, the person he met when he landed was a, a person with very big problems. He was demon possessed. And the story says that people had tried to help him but there wasn't any uh, result of their help. Then no one could help this man. Uh, but when he met with Jesus, his life immediately changed. He became a normal person. And immediately had, he had the desire to follow Jesus. And I said to Jesus, 
if you are God, if you are alive, you need to make me normal like you did to this man. And at that moment, I had a very strong feeling that Jesus had heard me. And I started to pray and tell him everything about myself. And told him I couldn't keep living the way I had been living and I wanted to have a different life. And I understood at that moment that Jesus forgave my sins. And that I had become his child. And I had a, a huge sense of peace on my heart and also joy. After that, I realized I needed to help bring other people to Jesus. And so when I was just after becoming a Christian, I used to run after people and say, you need Jesus, you need Jesus. People started to become frightened of me. What's he saying? And then we had a, a ministry where we'd have a library that we would have outside on the street where people could borrow Christian books. And we gave out a lot of literature to people. I couldn't understand why so few people would actually come into the church. And I, I thought about this a long time, prayed about it. Now I realize that the best way to share Jesus with people is through personal relationship with them. Mm -hmm. So I invite people into my house, get to know them, drink tea together. And then after a while, people start asking, why do you live differently? Uh, other people don't live like this. What, why are you like that? And then I have a chance to tell them about Jesus. I have a wife now. And one child. He's one and a half years old. And I'm studying at the local seminary. Because I realize I need education. Because uh, people are different, and uh, with all these different people, I need to know how to communicate my faith, how to build bridges. I work in the Novosibirsk Opera Theatre. I don't sing. I do. Um, I maintain the buildings for them, like a, a painter decorator. And I um, build relationships with people and try to speak to them about Jesus and talk about the real, alive faith that lives within me. That's my mission in life, to bring others to Jesus and to talk about Jesus and in that way to worship God. Thank you. Uh, quickly, I'd like to introduce you to Alexei. Alexei, whom uh, I think it was three years ago, 
uh, you met Alexei's wife. Do you remember that? Yulia was here and she told her story. Um, well, now it's Alexei's turn. And um, let me give him a word I'll translate for him. Mm -hmm. Good morning. In Genesis it says a man will leave his parents and be united with his wife and they will become one flesh. And the better part of my flesh was here three years ago. And she sends a big hello to all of you. Yulia and I work in the OM mission, Operation Mobilization. Now I'm responsible for the running of the Discipleship Center. So I organize the whole um, study program. Uh -huh. I teach. I teach the New Testament. And with Yulia, uh, we do counseling with the students and discipleship with them, one-on-one. -on -one. It's a great joy to see young people coming into the center, learning, growing, developing, and then leaving to serve God in different places. So this year, uh, when we count up all the students who have studied in the center in the last 11 years, 220 students have studied. We have 15 studying with us this year. 12 young ladies and three young men. It will be a great time for them. And uh, one of the extra blessings of the, the center is many people meet their life partners while they're studying and uh, get married and then go on to serve God together. Our vision now in OM is to see churches open, new churches planted amongst the people who are least reached in Russia. And so some of our team members have moved to the Caucasus, the Russian Caucasus, where they work. Uh, but we're still in Novosibirsk. And so we're doing much more teaching these days in that the Russian Caucasus uh, is predominantly Muslim area. And so we teach a lot now about how to live and work in a different culture, uh, work with people uh, from a different religion. So for the first year they study in the classroom and they go on different uh, short-term mission trips. And we're sending them out to groups like 
I talked about uh, where people don't have access to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so we're um, working down in the Altai region, which is what I spoke about at the beginning. To the young couple who Colin showed you, who had moved out as missionaries, uh, they're from our church, but they also studied at OM, so they're graduated from the student program. And then once someone's completed the first year, they can continue for a second year. And then that person is already living in a missionary situation. So they move out and they have a, a year of practical work. So generally they're working in different cultures within Russia, but uh, in churches working uh, with the least reached. Three years now we are sending students to the Caucasus. Some of them have stayed there for long-term ministry. And also to Altai. And they keep studying while they're doing this year. They come back three times a year and we continue working with them. And this is how my wife and I are taking part in Jesus' great commission. It's a great blessing to be with these young people, learning more about God, worshipping together and being part of that community. It's always interesting to see the contrast, how these people come and start at the beginning of September and how they're different when they come out the other end of the course, how God's changed them. When people come into the center, they always say, they always have the right answers to questions. Oh, I've come to know God better, to grow, to be discipled. Some people, though, they come in and start studying. I don't know why I've ended up here. But um, the atmosphere of the school, everything that goes on, helps these people understand uh, what is actually our purpose in life. Many then take the decision to go back to their churches and are much more active in ministry in their local churches. Uh, some go on to study further in the uh, seminary. 
and another part um, go and, and work in different places. So either, like we've been talking about in Russia, in the Caucasus or Altai, or even outside of Russia on the OM ship, for example. The most important thing maybe for me to say today is that you are all fellow workers in this ministry. You are taking part in what I'm describing with your prayers, with your financial support. So it's just a real honor and privilege to be with you uh, today, a real pleasure for me. Thank you very, very much. We're just gonna just gonna pray. Would you want to come up with pray for five of you? That's all right. That'd be good just to pray. Uh, just to so end with prayer. Then we're gonna end with uh, with a song. Uh, but I'll let I'll let Colin uh, introduce that. So just want to say Matthew, thank you for coming uh, yesterday evening and today. It's been wonderful to hear all that God's doing through you, and uh, and it's so encouraging and challenging. And we will continue to pray for you. And uh, please come back. <laughs> yeah, but maybe it won't. But um, lovely. So should we just just pray? Uh, just pray, Father God. We want to thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for just to, to hear what's happening in a different part of your church, Father, in a different part of this world. Lord, we know that you're the God of all the earth, as Colin said right at the very beginning. Father God, every tribe, every people, every tongue, every nation, Lord, is under your care, under your sovereignty. Lord, uh, your vine stretches across the entire globe. And Lord, I pray for fruitfulness, Lord, for Collins Church, for a discipleship centre, for individuals, Lord, in their work, Father God. Not just our friends here today, Lord, but every other person, Lord, associated with OM and that church as well. Father, we pray for real fruitfulness, Lord, in that part of the world particularly. Lord, we pray for those Christians that have gone off to the Caucasus. We pray for those in the Altai region and the other places not mentioned. The Lord, you would make them men and women of great faith, great passion. Lord, who would love your word. Lord, be open to your Holy Spirit and be led, Lord, in really exciting ways. And that, Lord, your gospel would take root in a way, Lord, that will be unfathomable perhaps. But, Lord, will bear fruit for many, many, many generations. And we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We pray, especially for Colin, Father God, who's had to do a lot of talking uh, and translating. We thank you for him and Bron, Lord, and Emily and Jonathan. We pray the whole family and commit them to you. And, uh, Lord, bless them all as they travel on, Lord, to various churches before they go back to Russia and back home. And we want to thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. So, over to you. So, just, just before we sing, um, to introduce you to Artyom. Those of you who weren't here last night, Artyom and Valera, also with us. And um, Artyom speaks English, and I can also help with translation. So do, over tea later after the service, um, hang around, chat to these guys through Artyom, through me, and uh, we'd love to just share with you and hear from you as well. Um, but we're now going to finish by singing a song you all know. Uh, it's been translated into Russian, Amazing Grace. So we will sing it in Russian. And um, if you want to join in, I think the words are going to come, uh, come up in English. And I've made sure that the, the, the translation corresponds. So uh, we won't be confusing God. If we sing in two different languages at the same time, he's going to hear the same thing from us all together. So uh, let's sing. We've got our words on our phones. So excuse us for looking down at our phones. Um, 